When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR, you make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 only with promo code DNVR and only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does each and every week, the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet, the host of the Drew Goodman podcast, it's Drew Goodman. What's up, man? How are you? We're doing well. Temperatures are getting cooler here in Colorado. It, it, it's a nice place to be again. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful in St. Louis today, and it was cool uh, yesterday, which uh, and Monday it was kind of uh, very unusual. Uh, usually, when you come here, it's you know 100 degrees and 100 degrees humidity. Uh, so very pleasant day. Very pleasant day. Nice job, by the way. Uh, enjoyed the Sean Bouchard interview uh, the other day. That was good stuff. He's a he's neat kid. We have we had fun with him. Yeah, he's a, he's kind of like a, a little quiet personality. Like you know, you throw yeah. him a, a funny, quirky question, he'll usually have a good response to that. So mm-hmm. glad you enjoyed that. I'm curious if uh, you'd ever been to the previous Bush Stadium. I'm thinking you probably did back when it had astroturf. How much hotter would it feel if you were down on the field on astroturf versus natural grass, which is what they have now? Well, I'll just regurgitate what you know, players back in the day would tell you. And if, you know, I think most of us played on turf at some, you know, levels or whatever, and it's hot, right? But in those stadiums in the summer, um, whether it was the vet in Philadelphia or, you know, here in St. Louis or Pittsburgh, those retro parks, I mean, scorching hot. I mean, especially you got spikes on, it was brutal. Yeah, I, I imagine it's got to be close to 10 degrees hot, uh, hotter. And and I, I always can remember those clips where you could see the steam coming off the ground. I don't yeah. feel like you see that very much with just natural grass. But boy, when you had AstroTurf, man, it would just be heat coming out of the earth. Yeah, guys putting lettuce on top of their, you know, inside their hat and, yeah. you know, putting their putting their spikes in a little, you know, wa- you know, kind of in a little thing of water to try to cool their feet off. It's kind of, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's- it's wild that we allowed that to go on for so long. I think it got better when they got like the next turf. Like I know Philly had some kind of newfangled thing. And a lot of high schools use that, which which I think is better, but it, it's just not yeah, the concrete new, on the bottom. Right? Yeah, the new generation of turf is, is a lot more forgiving. You know, there were a lot of knee injuries on the old turf because it was like, you know, half an inch and then it was cement underneath. Uh, the, the one thing in football, every once in a while you had that because they're made with the tire rubber, at least they were, so that – that sometimes gets up and get up in your eyes. You see, after, 
see guys have a lot of it on their face and stuff, um, you know, especially during football. But uh, yeah, they, they're doing a much better job with the synthetic surfaces than they did 30, 40, 50 years ago. All right, speaking of bad knees, got to know, what is the running route for Drew Goodman when you're in St. Louis? Is is there a bit of a trail that goes along the Mississippi River there in St. Louis? There's a trail that goes along the Mississippi, but I'm not going to lie, especially when you head uh, kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, get my directions all mixed up. I think it may be north or whatever. It's not the prettiest area, um, it, you know, it's industrial and it's it's not it's not really uh, aesthetically pleasing. Now going the other direction, which um, I did the last couple of days, you know, you run under the arch and that's great. I mean, it's beautiful. The arch, the, the whole park there, it's a national uh, park it is it is wonderful. Uh, but you can't run like super great distances in there. So I I kind of go through there, meander around, and then I. I run down Market Street in downtown St. Louis, which um, has a, has like kind of a green belt in the middle. Um, so, you know, it's fine. You can always find a place to run. Uh, suburban St. Louis is, and I've gotten to know that well, the Clayton, Ledoux, Webster Groves area, because my middle son goes to college and plays ball in the area. And so I, uh, I've, I've really come to enjoy that part of uh st louis but downtown st louis i'm not gonna lie is not it's not one of the better downtowns in america sure yeah there, there are a lot of downtowns that could be uh hard uh hard mm -hmm. to run in in general what now i i'm curious about this because we kind of uncovered this uh, in our previous days podcast i did not realize this. how much do you know about the arc or the arch excuse me uh i'm thinking of arc the arc the arc triumph um <laughs> yes it's, uh it's on the it, you know at the top of the champs Elysees, and um oui. you know, it was a, a war memorial or is that the arc you're talking about i i mispronounced I, oh. I i stopped short of the ch sound well it's funny that was the graphic that i use for this if, if you're watching over on youtube on the dnvr sports channel Arch de Triumph with it. We got a picture of Wynton Bernard, who we'll talk about. So I think that kind of fits all of those things together. But the Gateway Arch in St. Louis, I didn't know much about it. I knew you could go up to the top. Yeah. A little bit scary, can be a little bit windy. But other than that, that's all I knew about the arch. Well, it's it's the gateway to the West, symbolic of the gateway to the West. It was started in 1963. I guess they completed it in 1965. Uh, you know, you had to build it from both sides. So I was kidding Jeff Houston on the broadcast last night. Like if he and I were in charge of it, it would have gone like this <laughs> and would have missed. I mean, there's some really smart engineers that, you know, and they go, hey, it's actually going to meet perfectly. Can you imagine like if you're three inches off, go, it's not like you can push one side or the other to, you know, retrofit it or something. I mean, it's like missing awesome. a high five. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what you're saying. You and Jeff missed a yeah. high five. And you're like, ah, you yeah. know, we'll get the next arch correct. Like right. that was your shot. You're done. You guys You're are done. Out of engineers. Next, next team of engineers. Yeah. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. It's, it, and when you're underneath it, I took a picture of it today. I should, I should send, you know what? I'll show you. I took a, you know, I, at your 42 on Twitter. I got to find out on Twitter. Maybe, I, you know what? I'll do that in a sec. Let me, um, you know, there, can you, can you see that? Oh yeah. Oh, that looks great. Yeah. That's yeah. And because it's beautiful day today. Um, it's, it's when you're right up under it, I mean, it's big. It really is big. I've never gone to the top. Um, cause there's like an elevator shaft, right? That yeah. And it's in it. And I, I don't, it's pretty claustrophobic from what I understand. That doesn't 
I mean, I'm, I can get claustrophobic. That's not the reason I haven't done it. I just haven't done it all these years. Um, but you know, like today would be great cause you could see forever, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely neat. It makes, it, 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 it helps the skyline dramatically in, in St. Louis. And as you can tell from home plate looking out, they did a great job at new Bush stadium. So it kind of sits in the background, um, beyond center field. Uh, so visually it's, um, it's, it's very pleasing when you're sitting at the ballpark. And I, I, it's funny you brought that up because I did want to ask you a little bit. It seems like that area has developed a lot more. I mean, I haven't been there for about 15 years, but it, it you know, my recollections going back, you know, there wasn't quite as much out there. There were things out in, in center field, as you said, the arch and whatnot, but there seems like there's a lot more building and that there's more construction out there. It's kind of similar to the, the model that, you know, the nationals have there where, uh, in the Navy yards, you got all those buildings out in center field, similar to what, uh, Atlanta has now, but it, it seems like it's, it's built up a little bit in the last 15 years. Is that correct? Or is my memory, uh, no, just a little? no, absolutely. Uh, when they first did new Bush stadium came in in 06. So what are we talking about? That's 16 years ago. And where ballpark village is now, it was a parking lot with, uh, I think artist renderings of what ballpark village was going to be, was going to look like. And, uh, like, you know, everything else, uh, you know, it took a while from an economic standpoint to get that built, but, um, it not only did that get built, but we at one point we were talking about, there's a, you know, high rise fancy condos that are right out beyond center field. They, they even have a, a video a, a video board at the very top of them and they have a you know pool area and a big veranda and anybody who is on that side can go out on their deck and they look into bush, bush stadium so it's pretty cool uh so all of that is in the last probably in the last six eight years ten years maybe you know time flies but not that not that long so it, it you know for ball games it's it, you know it's it is that part of the town is is more vibrant yeah, I love love hearing that uh, for for a city in the Midwest like St. Louis. I love hearing uh, all about the great articles uh, over at the DNVR.com. Now only fifty cents for your mer- first month, and and I say over here because in the office, all the guys that are covering the Broncos, man, they're getting really amped up for these preseason games. We had an uh, awesome tailgate on Saturday down at Mile High, so you get a price break on that if you are a member of our community. Uh, if you want an annual membership, you get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com, access to our members-only Discord. So many great perks. And once the bars open back up again, you know you get those member-sized drinks. Evoca TV, evoca.tv slash dnvr is where you got to go to make sure that you can watch the Rockies here for the final seven weeks of the season. It's also where you can go to finally watch the Nuggets and Avalanche right in the comfort of your own home. You also got CSU Rams. They're about to get started with their football season. Justin Michaels doing an amazing job covering that for us at the dnvr.com. But you get all that coverage. You also get the DNVR Sports Channel on Evoca TV. So go to evoca.tv slash dnvr and use promo code Colorado10 so you can save $10 off your first three months. And make sure if you are watching the Rockies, or CSU Rams, or even just us, you are tipping back an Avalanche Ale. Breck Brew, they did such an amazing job all throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Avalanche, man, they 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 tore through it. They, they got the job done, and Breck Brew made sure they got the job done 
for those community stars. They gave back tickets away for each and every home game, including the Stanley Cup Finals. And so to show them a little bit of thanks, it's normally a, a wonderful drink at certain times of the year. Now it's the drink of 2022. It's Breckenridge Brewery's Avalanche Ale. Well, Goody, boy, Wynton Bernard, it, it's been a fun story to see, you know, he was a guy that was tearing it up in AAA, but it just seemed like, you know, maybe he wouldn't really get an opportunity. Rockies, you know, they got five, six, seven outfielders, depending on how uh, the roster shakes out, if everyone's healthy. And it's just kind of an unfortunate situation. Uh, I know a couple uh, minor league umpires who there's just kind of a numbers crunch. And hey, sometimes your number doesn't get called and you never make it to the bigs. It very much looked like that was going to be the case for Witten Bernard. But lo and behold, he made it, made his major league debut after 11 season plotting around in minor league baseball, professional baseball to make his debut on Friday. Uh, and it's been awesome to see the fans and the nation really rally behind this story. You know, um, it, it, it truly moved a lot of people. And it was more than just a 31-year-old guy, which is most unusual, spent 11, year, 11 years in the minor leagues getting an opportunity because that, that, that does not frequently occur. Uh, but what you learn about this kid and his family is that they're really special and, and he is beloved wherever he's been. He, he's beloved by what kind of teammate he's been, his attitude, his zest for life, his perseverance. And especially in the baseball community, it, it resonated. And, and, and it went beyond that, clearly. Anybody who, I mean, we all struggle and strive and, and you know, fall short and, and have disappointments. And so I think um, at a variety of levels in a, a variety of industry, everybody could relate in a certain way to Winton Bernard. And... It was, you know, it was a really moving story. And to see him now, he started three out of four games. And, you know, he has made his presence felt uh, last night. You know, again, he did, He got two hits last night, didn't hit the ball out of the infield. The one, this, the, the first base hit the ball, he ricocheted that broke up the no-hitter. Uh, he hit that ball hard uh, off of Quintana. Um, and then we saw his wheels. He had his, you know, he went first to third. He had a stolen base. Um, again, later in the ball game. So, you know, he, he's, he's added athleticism uh, to the lineup in addition to, hey, this is a, kind of a cool story. Yeah, if you go back and look at what his numbers were in the Pacific Coast League and also compare it to other players because we know sometimes it can be a hitter's league and the numbers get inflated. That being said, he had some of the best numbers of anyone down in the Pacific Coast League, so very much earned it. But to your point, you know, that was one of the first things – Going back to last season, Rocky sign him, you know, to play play in the outfield and here, okay, he's coming from the Giants organization, spend a little time with the Cubs, and you want to know a little bit more about the player, right? And as soon as I would ask people, they would go, oh, my God, what a great guy. And you go, oh, wow. Usually that's not the first thing someone says when they're kind of giving you that scouting report. You know, the numbers speak for themselves. You knew he was fast on the base. Uh, you know, he you know, puts the ball in play fairly well. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. But that was the first thing is just – the kind of positive spirit that he is. And, and again, to continue to do this. And, you know, I talked with him in the off season and I mean, he's gone to Australia, he's gone to Venezuela to play uh, in the winters. So, you know, he, he loves this game and uh, he continues to persevere. And we know that 
baseball isn't fair. We know the world isn't fair. And so, hey, it might not happen, but it does. And, and it feels like you said, people people feel good about it because it, it makes you think, you know, maybe maybe the world is fair to some degree for some of us. There are so many, there are so many players that don't fall into the right circumstances and may have had the ability to play at the big league level or certainly get an opportunity. And um, they're never provided uh, with one. And so this, this in a, in a tough year for the Rockies, this, this has been a bright light and, you know, where it ends up, who, who knows, you never want to sell somebody short. You never want to, you know, stamp somebody with a moniker, even somebody who's, you know, close to 32. Uh, so, you know, let's see where it goes and, and see what happens. But um, this is a guy that's going to be successful um, and, and a good teammate in whatever he does, you know, after his playing career. And, and hopefully he's able to continue his playing career um, uh, beyond where he is right now. Uh, but I guarantee you that, you know, the Rockies will probably want to keep him in their organization when he's, when he's done or, or some other organization will want to keep him or some other business. So um, it, it's been, as I said earlier, it's been a really uplifting story. And it's been a cool to, to get to know him a little bit. Yeah. His story, as far as, you know, the, the fans rallying behind a player and just kind of almost becoming a fan favorite right away. I thought back and I was like, all right, who else has, you know, captured lightning in the bottle just from the, the fun standpoint, like you're excited about the player a little bit and you go, all right, well, most recently Connor Joe did that, you know, and he's, he's parlayed that into a, a, a solid 2022 season in general. Josh Fuentes did that a little bit uh, here and there, you know, as player of the week, but again, you know, brought an excitement to the field. Going back to 2019, Tim Melville, uh, if, we're, if we're naming names here of guys where people go, hey, this is a fun little story. Are there other players, too, that you can think back on that you say, hey, you know what, might have might have just been a one-week fling or whatever, but that was a good story. Or, man, really people, his stories really seem to resonate where you look back. Because there's always those kind of stories, but does, does any of them necessarily stand out? Uh, during your time, whether it be a, a short period of time or, or a long period of time that you say that that was really great to see uh, that person catch lightning in a bottle to a degree. It, it's one of the great things about baseball because of injuries and you're, you're constantly having to fill holes and somebody gets a shot that was never on the radar. You did a great job of, of helping me recall some guys just recently. Tim Melville was a, was a great story. And Tim Melville, you know, had a, had a shining moment. Um, I, I think back to, oh man, well, there was a guy last year who came up, um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name right now. He came up and it was kind of similar to Winton Bernard, didn't get the, the play that Winton Bernard, but he was a career minor leaguer and, and he finally got an opportunity. Taylor Motter? Yep, exactly. Motter. That's a good, good pull. That was a good and, story. Yeah. And I think of, and this turned into a tragic story, but Mark Brownson many years ago, do you know Mark Brownson's story? Uh, I don't know his, uh, yes, I, I do a little bit. Now that, now that you're, you're asking me that question, uh, you know, he's a right-handed pitcher for a little while. Yeah. Mark Brownson is the guy that when you, when you see, you know, bring up a topic like this, uh, 
Mark Brownson was not a prospect with the Rockies, but he was in AAA and he was kind of the next man up in one of those difficult years when pitching was hard to come by and they needed a starter and the Rockies were down in Houston and Houston was really good. They had the killer bees, Berkman and Biggio and, and bell. And, and, uh, he, he gets a start, spot start. It's going to be one and done, man. That's it. He's going to make a start, and he's going to get sent out after the game. And who knows if he'll ever get back. They just, you know, try to give, get through the lineup twice and keep it respectable, hopefully, right? He goes out there, and he throws a complete game shutout. His major league debut. Nobody even knew who he was. Wow. And so, naturally, he's going to stick around for another start. And I forget, you know, he got a, he got a few starts, and then he – was no longer with the Rockies. I, I can't even recall if he got to the big leagues again, but uh, he he had some issues with, uh, I believe, got addicted to painkillers, and, and tragically, he's not with us anymore. Uh, but Mark Brownson always stands out, and, and beyond the fact that it ended tragically, said, here's this guy out of nowhere. Nobody knew his name, and he comes up, and he throws a complete game shutout, uh, against it, it wouldn't have mattered. It was a big league shutout, but it was against a really good lineup. And that was his one shining moment. It, it happens in baseball. The other one I, I, I think of, and why am I forgetting this guy's name too? Tom Glavin, when he was with the Mets was throwing a no hitter against the Rockies. And it was either in the eighth inning or, or maybe with no one out in the ninth inning uh, and this is one of Spilly played with this guy. My goodness, why am I doing a blank? Anyhow, he comes up and hits an opposite field double off the right field wall to break up Tom Glavin's no hitter. So th- those are a couple that that jumped to mind. But Tim Melville, you know, was a great pull. Who was the other one you said recently? You mentioned Joe Matter. Who was the other one in the last couple of years? Um, we said Tim Melville. Uh, Fuentes uh, was, was. Yeah, that- I mean, Charles Fuentes is a good story. I mean made larger because of his kinship with, uh, with, uh, with Nolan. Uh, and he's playing down in Mexico. Now, I think I either heard it on one of your podcasts or I read it somewhere and he's, he's actually doing well down in Mexico. Yeah. And no, no one wants to give up their baseball dream. It's why we all love the sport uh, from a playing standpoint. I mean, yeah. I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm not far from 60 and I still feel it. I, I still would love to go out there and, you know, and, and, ha- and play. Um, I, I get it through my kids. Um, you know, one of, one of whom is still playing and it, you want to carry it as far and as long as you can, because once it's in your blood, it, it's hard to, to get rid of it. And that's why I think sometimes from afar people go, well, why is that guy playing now? He's playing in Mexico, like a Josh Fuentes and, you know, why doesn't he just move on? It's hard. It's hard to move on, especially when you feel like, hey, if this goes well, maybe I'll get another shot. Or, or for some people, maybe not. They know they'll never get a shot, but they're going to play independent ball because, you know, they're, they're 28 and they still love to play. Yeah. Uh, for Wynn Bernard, I mean, shoot, probably there's, there's probably people maybe in his circles for the last five years who said, you got to give it up, man. Like, it, it's obviously not going to happen. And and they were wrong. You know, that that positive attitude that Bernard had obviously uh, has has paid off. And I think the double that you're thinking of uh, from Tom Glavin's uh, near uh, perfect game was by Kit Pello. Kit Pello. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 
I hadn't remembered the uh, the first part of the, the Mark Brownson story, but I, I think once in a while, you know, you do those searches of, you know, rookie pitchers, debut kind of stuff. His name will pop up. But yeah, it was uh, uh, a tragic ending there. So yeah, you know, you, you, you never know, man. You, these uh, these games and these moments are, are definitely precious. That's why, you know, despite the Rockies being out of it, 30-some games behind the Dodgers uh, in the NL West, you go... There's still there's, there's some stories. There's still these games still are are important to the Rockies. And you heard Kyle Freeland last night even talking about it. Like it losing stinks. You know what I mean? And and there's you're you're thinking about next year already to a degree where you say, well, What can I do now in these final few weeks to get better for next year? So these games still obviously mean something to the players. So um it'll it'll be well, interesting to see what happens. Well, any anytime they keep score, man, it, it better mean <laughs> something and and you better go out there and compete. And in the bigger picture. Uh, if you're the Rockies organization, you want to get a feel for who is going to be part of the solution because the solution um, by record is far away. Um, you can play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. You've heard me say this before. I'm a big believer in what Bill Parcells uh, famously said. You are what the record says you are. And if you're 30-something games behind the Dodgers, you're 30-something games behind the Dodgers. There's a lot of catching up to do uh, to be at that level. And they were close, we know, in, in 18 especially, finishing in a dead heat with the Dodgers. Well, that was four years ago. And you have to find a way to get better. And it's and it's it's more than well, you know, Chris Bryant has only played 42 games. He's one guy. He's an he's a position player. Um, he he's certainly a nice player. Uh, he's gonna fit, hopefully, for a number of years into the middle of their lineup. But they they need to find out, hey, it's Montero. What you you got to like what you've seen from him. Is he part of the solution? Uh, some of these guys that they've been able to pick up uh, through waivers, the Denelson Lamette, who three really good outings last night was not good, obviously, you know, kind of a meltdown. And, uh, you know, Jose Urania, you got to find out who's going to be part of the solution. And that's, that's, I'm sure, what they're looking at over these next 40 some odd games going into next year. And, and yeah. The guys who are here that are going to be back without question, the Kyle Freelands, the Herman Marquez's, the Antonio Sensatellas, the Austin Gombers. Yeah, you keep working on your craft to get better, and and better will impact positively the win-loss uh, column from a year ago. But I, uh, one of the things about Kyle Freeland that uh, I've always admired is you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. You know, he's a phenomenal competitor and, and he's candid. And, you know, he stood up last night in front of uh, reporters and said, yeah, this sucks. I want to win. And, and nobody signs up, you know, to be 16 games under 500 on, you know, August uh, 17th. So uh, uh, I get where he's coming from and I applaud him for, for being, um, you know, somewhat outspoken in that regard. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I, I feel like maybe I did. I've, I've just said it so many times because I, it, it struck me as being very interesting. And, and you might have even been there for this talking with Buddy and like about what what's what's better, right? What's better between like say having bad body language or having that moment of wearing your heart on your sleeve? And Buddy's it's like it's no question. Like you'd rather wear your heart on your sleeve. You'd rather just kind of have that moment that, that blow up. And then that's it. You flushed it out of your system rather than like carrying it around with you as some kind of bad body language. So, uh, I really just thought that was interesting. I'm like, yeah, you know, when you, when you see guys get pissed, 
uh, knock out a light or do something like that, that's not inherently a, a bad thing. That That's a moment coming to a head, but then you're, it allows you to move on a little bit rather than just carrying it around with you and just have that really poor body language that really can communicate to the other team, man, this guy's on the ropes. Like he, he's not confident in himself. Kyle Freeland is confident in himself, which is why, you know, he could get upset from time to time. And, yeah, I, that that bothered me less. You know, the tirade where you the game drives you batty. Uh, you know, sometimes Kyle will look in at an umpire glaringly on you know on a pitch that maybe was off the plate a little bit, but he thought it was a strike, and and he probably some of the time if he would would want some of those back because you know I, I'm a big believer. You know, just get on the mound and 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 do your thing. And, and every time you don't get a call, don't glare in. Uh, but by the same token, when you're, when you're pissed off, yeah, in a perfect world and ball players know this, go down the tunnel out of sight of video cameras. But I get it, man. I, I do, I do understand that. And his anger is directed at himself. His frustration is directed at himself, not at, Oh, a teammate made an error or, you know, the guy came in behind him and, you know, it didn't, you know, painted him up. So uh, you want people who care. You want people, you don't want the guy just shrugs and goes, well, you know, tough night at the office. Everybody has a different personality, but I understand Kyle's passion and I can relate to Kyle's passion because um, though I certainly, I wasn't a big leaguer, but I just know how I'm wired when I compete and I'm more like that than, than the, you know, oh shucks, we'll get them tomorrow. That's so, you know, I, I think a lot of people understand and relate to um, his vociferous uh, and demonstrable um, actions at times when things don't go well. Man, someone's got a, a thesaurus word of the day uh, travel calendar. So tip of the cap to you there. Goody. Uh, pe people are excited about Elias Montero getting a lot more playing time. Did have five multi-hit games uh, in a row, which was uh, tied like a rookie record. Since then, I think his last four or five games, you know, uh, scrapping a little bit. It's okay. You know, he made an error on the field. That's going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see if, if teams are starting to adjust to him a little bit, how he will adjust back. But bottom line, he's getting the playing time here. Uh, but he's finding a spot for him to play. And, and, and what, what have you liked from him so far? Because I don't think we've really talked too much since San Diego about, you know, what Elahiris uh, Montero brings to the table. It seems pretty exciting. It seems like it's going to be something good going forward here for the Rockies. Patrick, he can hit. I, I think he can hit. I, I watch his at-bats. Um, I think it's a real simple approach. He is somebody that finds a lot of barrels. He's not overmatched uh, I, I think the the game uh, on Sunday the Rockies lost I believe seven to four Patrick he was up with two men on I believe it was two men on um and he had a real quality at bat and he should have walked if you remember right the pitch was, that he was called out on the 27th out was uh was off the plate but I I didn't for a young guy he's 23 he did not look nervous. He did not look, uh, again, overmatched. Uh, the situation didn't get too big for him. So that stood out to me. And the, and the frequency that he is, you know, hitting the ball hard. And then the other thing I look back at, I was talking with Scott about this the other day, uh, actually a coach, and that is 
it, we can look at swings and we can look at setups and this and that. Oh, I like this. I like that. Bottom line is there are many different swings and many different setups, but guys that hit, hit. And you look at their stats when they're in high school and college and pro ball, the guys that consistently put up numbers, guess what? They have the ability to put the bat, the thick part of the bat on the baseball more frequently than most everyone else. And those are the guys you want populating your lineup. And so for Montero, when you look at what he's done in the minor leagues, you say, this guy's always hit. And then when you're watching his at-bats at the big league level, you go, yep, this guy's going to hit. No question, no question for me that he's going to be, you know, an impactful uh, bat. And it, it's probably one of the better. When we when we do a postmortem on this, Patrick, and and we're, you know, many times in the winter and, and in, the, in the early fall, okay, what went well for the Rockies? You're going to be able to find a lot of things that didn't go well. Montero is going to be one of the most important and prominent positives that that I believe will come out of 2022. One of the things that is going to be positive for you to start each and every one of your day is going to be Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash ROC. That's the first three letters in Rockies. When you use that code, they're going to hook you up with a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, five free travel packs you can take with you on the road or on the go if you need that. And be a little bit more like me, because look, I, I my health is 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 pretty good. I, I I'm really focused in on it. I'm keyed in, and this is how I start my day: one scoop of Athletic Greens, and I get 75 high quality vitamins, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics, minerals, adaptogens. It gets me starting my day off the right right way, even before that first cup of coffee. This is how I do it. You can join me with Athletic Greens on athleticgreens.com/roc to take ownership over your health and take ownership over some really cool gear and bobbleheads over at foco.com foco.com you can use code dnvr for 10 percent off all non-pre-sale items you can even get gifts for folks that are in different parts of the country because yes they do have things for the other teams just outside of the denver market so check them out whether you want the Nikola Jokic mvp bobblehead you want a stanley cup bobblehead a rocky city connect you name it they've got it at foco.com and use promo code dnvr for 10 percent off dodgers swept the padres here a couple uh, weekends ago does the regular season matter at this point for a team like the dodgers like does it i think i think they're two wins away going into today i think they're 80 and 35 and if they win their next two games on wednesday and thursday they'll actually have a 700 winning percentage does that does that even mean anything well last night i know this i think i said it on the air they were at 702 so they had a 700 winning percentage um going into last night i didn't even know did they win or lose i I guess they must have lost right yeah yeah okay uh so they did have a 700 winning percentage no, I think the rest of the season, all that matters to them is getting guys healthy and and getting guys right. The Blake Trinans, the Bruce Dar Grotteralls, keeping now their depleted rotation healthy and and figuring out you know who their best twenty six are going to be as they head into October. I mean, they're that far ahead. I mean, the Padres are, even though they're having a solid season, and we know they've made a lot of moves. They've you know, they're struggling with Miami, you know, they're getting the wrong headlines now because of the Tatis thing, but they're so far, even, even had Tatis come back, 
they weren't catching the Dodgers. So yeah, for the Dodgers, it's all about, you know, keeping the guys that are there healthy now after losing Walker Bueller and, and preparing for October. I mean, all they're, they're in the same boat, really Patrick every year it's, it's win a world series or bust for that franchise legitimately. So yeah, to answer your question in my typical long-winded manner, it's all about where they are now. It's all about October. Yeah, and you, you start to look ahead at the postseason matchups. Obviously, the Mets are, are going to be there with their rotation. Jacob deGrom is now back, and so you say, okay, maybe advantage Mets because, as you mentioned, Bueller, uh, season-ending elbow surgery, he's out. But maybe they can get something out of Dustin May. You know, Maybe you can uh, stretch him out so you can get three, maybe four innings uh, if he's all right, obviously coming back from Tommy John surgery. So... Uh, the, the postseason matchups are, are, are going to be very interesting with uh, with the starting pitching, to say the least. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, this this is what it's all about now. Are you con- are you concerned in any way that Atlanta could overtake the Mets? Do, do, do you think it's a possibility? That was one of my DraftKings Sportsbooks pick of the week was, you know what? It was a good, good payout. It was like plus 400 at the time. I was like, I think Atlanta could possibly catch New York, not because any any issues with New York. I just think Atlanta's clicking at the right time. Well, the last couple of days, you know, we, we know they lost four out of five when they were in New York, and now they've won the first two ball games in, in dominant fashion down in Atlanta. They're a good team. They're a really good team. And the separation of those two teams, what is it, three and a half games now, Patrick? I mean, certainly it's close enough with plenty of baseball left. That's not beyond the realm of possibility. I would still like the Mets because I know that 40% of the time either Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom is getting the baseball, which means you ain't scoring a lot of runs, if any, against them. And then the other guys they have, and I know they've had some injuries, you know, Carrasco is going to be down uh, for a little bit, but, um, you know, they, they have they have good pitching. They have really good pitching, and, and they're, unlike the other New York team, they're not as reliant on hitting the ball over the fence. They, they put the ball in play, and they scrap a little bit more offensively but atlanta's good team man atlanta's a really good team so uh, could that happen yeah it definitely could happen but i think those two teams i met i mentioned this on my podcast last week and i think i left atlanta out um inadvertently but the you know the 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 upper crust teams patrick right the mets the dodgers the the astros i think atlanta's in there you know, the Yankees, I know, have played very poorly for, what, six weeks now. You probably still are inclined to put the Yankees in there. Uh, but th- those are the top teams. And then the next tier down, you know, across the way, the, the St. Louis Cardinals, maybe the Milwaukee Brewers, the Padres. I, I think I think I would have, like a week and a half ago, put the Padres in there at that upper crust level, just because, man, they got a lot of pitching. They got a lot of starting pitching. Uh, they have what should, it should have been even better lineup with Tatis coming back. It's still a really good lineup. Uh, there's just something about them. I don't, I mean, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but they just don't win, you know, four out of five nights or five out of seven nights or something going on there. And we'll see. There's a lot of baseball left to be played, but anyhow, those those are the upper crust teams and, and Atlanta, it, absolutely. I mean, not only are they the defending world champions, they're better than they were a year ago. I mean, last year they won 88 games. They're, they're going to, they're going to do better than that this year. 
Yeah, and they go ahead and, and they lock up uh, their rookie, the, the youngest player in baseball, Michael Harris, the second eight-year, $72 million extension that will actually start next year uh, in 2023. So it takes him through his age 29 season, so he won't be that old when he becomes a free agent, except there's also going to be options beyond that uh, for two more years. So it could be 10 years, $107 million. For anyone that might not understand why Atlanta would want to do this. I think you understand it if you're if you're Michael Harris the second. You should be able to understand it from his standpoint. It's 107 million more dollars than you had before. And yeah, you know, if you want to bet on yourself and say, man, I can make all this money in free agency, all it takes is one injury and then that's it. All all that money, all that hope that you had is gone. But for anyone that doesn't quite understand, why would a team like Atlanta or any team extend a young player who's Hasn't proven a ton, right? He's only been in the major leagues for a couple months now. Why is this a, a very smart deal? Because I, I think it is. It's a, it's a deal for Atlanta. For anyone who doesn't know, you know, what, what's the benefits to locking up a guy early in his career with an extension like this? Cost certainty with your core players. Guys that you've identified are going to be your core players. Matt Olson's a core player for them. Their third baseman, Riley, is a core player for them. And now the, the young center fielder, They've said, we want you to be a core player uh, for us. And it's why the Rockies, you know, you can quibble with who they've evaluated and said, well, they're a core player. But that's why they went and extended Herman, Freeland, Senzatella, Ryan McMahon. They're saying that now moving forward, you go, okay, our revenues project to be this. Therefore, our payroll projects to be this. How much money do we have, uh, you know, for free agency? How much money do we have to, to, to fill in where we, you know, with, with players that we think can help, you know, us become a playoff team? That's what Atlanta's doing. And Atlanta's already a playoff team. And I looked at it more the opposite way, Patrick, not why is Atlanta doing this? I'm like, I had to look at that young man and go, okay, so, all right, age 29 season, he can make up to $72 million. Yeah, I, I get it. Phenomenal sums of money, but let's let's just deal with Monopoly. And the Monopoly is when Monopoly game is played in professional sports, it's different there than, than anywhere else. And so it's like, okay, man, I mean, that's, you know, he's still in his prime, but I mean, if he were to play the arbitration game and go to free agency, would he be able to hit a windfall before then? He, you know, I'm sure he sat down with his representatives and with his family and said, hey, you know what? I'm a hometown kid. This is a great, this is a great deal of money. And if I'm the kind of player I think I'll be, I'll still have a chance to make a windfall uh, on the other side. Um, so that clearly must have been his individual decision but for the Braves they they're identifying who their core guys are and they're locking them up man and to and uh you know if you're if you're an Atlanta fan you got to go man all right I'm going to have you know, I'm going to be able to see Harris play for years I'm going to see Olsen play for years how quickly they must I don't say they forget Freddie Freeman but you know Matt Olsen's a tremendous player Freddie's having an uh, having a, uh, an MVP kind of year but Olsen has has been great and Austin Riley's tremendous so I like what Atlanta's done. 
Yeah, you also got Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, two guys that were also locked up uh, yeah. in similar fashion as an extension. You know, it's it's one thing when you are about to become a free agent to sign an extension like that, as we saw with with McMahon and Freeland, Senzatella to a degree. But as a really young guy, I mean, you're six years away until you hit free agency, so it's that that that's even harder to like fathom and and, re, and, and reach. So you can understand why a young guy would would do that. But yeah, they're they're. Both parties are, are definitely taking some risk of like, hey, we could be leaving some money on the table here. Uh, Michael Harris, the second, uh, his team would be concerned. And then Atlanta's like, well, we're giving this guy guaranteed money. If something happens, we might not actually get back what we put out. But that's business. So last time I checked, baseball uh, is indeed a business, right? There are algorithm, excuse me, algorithms out there that project uh, you know, what the – finances are going to be and what the revenue streams are going to be and you know it, it worked for atlanta and they they've been proactive and and i applaud them they have a hell of a baseball team and and they know that you know going forward barring catastrophic injuries they should be competitive each and every year very much so yeah uh team that's not really too competitive this year uh, they got hot for a little while there and and Maybe it, it looked like they, they were going to do something, but Texas Rangers, uh, they went the opposite way on their uh, manager, Chris Woodward. He's out. And just before we went live, uh, John Daniels out after 17 years uh, with the Rangers there. So uh, they're, they're, they're doing some things differently after a very busy offseason, which they uh, what they spent half a billion dollars, you know, between Simeon and, and Corey Seager and a couple other guys, even John Gray. But uh, Rangers, they're going in a different direction there. Seems like they just need a change, uh, according to ownership. Maybe people uh, saw this one coming who live in, you know, DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex, because Chris Young, who's a local guy, Princeton grad, uh, longtime big league pitcher, a really good guy, was brought on to be the GM. And I, I'm not close enough to say, well, you, you knew that it wasn't going to work then going forward with John Daniels, but knowing that Chris Young was in place and how well he's thought of, um, good people skills, really bright mind, uh, relatable for players, um, and I, I think can strike that right balance between the analytics uh, part of the game and the feel for being a player and and seeing what you want from from various players. Uh, so when I read that before the show started, I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Probably it really does. That they're just gonna have Chris Young run the whole thing. Yeah, he's uh, has some great experience. Uh, also, a smart guy, right? Princeton, good ball player, basketball player, I should say. Yeah, I mean, really good athlete, and um, as I said, he, he's he's a guy with great affability. So he he's going to play well in the clubhouse. He's going to play well with the people who who work for him in the front office. And you know, Texas is is trying to remake themselves. It's been, you know, they spent a lot of money. I don't think they thought that because they spent whatever it was half a billion dollars that they were instantaneously going to become uh, contenders this year, uh, but. You know, they, they want to accelerate the process. Last week's Drew Goodman podcast with Dave Magadan was fantastic. Got into the Lupinella business. Got into the 86 World Series ring story. Did not know that, that it 
uh, well, it won't spoil it, but there's there's a whole story about the World Series ring. It did make me think, um, long lost cousin of no relation, Barry Lyons, probably didn't get a ring then. That's what I'm thinking. Remember I, Barry, Barry I remember Barry Lyons, man. Shoot. So he was on that 86 team as like a backup, backup, backup catcher. Yes, he had 10 of the most important plate appearances in that 86 seasons, in my opinion. And I don't think he got a ring. Yeah. Did he get any hits? Look, these details are, like I said, the plate appearances are what important. Fouled off some pitches, extended the starter and relievers. They were big. They were big plate appearances, Drew. Is is he a relation of yours? No, not not related to the, any of the Lionses, uh, not even Hall of Famer Ted Lyons. And in doing a quick randomly baseball reference search, uh, was just looking up a bunch of names. There in like 1890, there was a Pat Lyons for like one season. Really? I just learned that. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, I think he tried to throw games or something, <laughs> and they threw him a point. <laughs> Uh, I remember I teased last week. I said, you're going to like that 86, uh, ring story. That was a pretty good one. Wasn't it? It's very good. Yeah. I did, did yeah. not know anything about that. That was good. Yeah, I, I didn't know that story and I didn't know who stepped forward and helped out. I mean, that was a fascinating story. That was a great baseball story. Um, Dave Magadan, as you know, cause you're around him regularly, Patrick, really good guy, really even keel guy. And we talk hitting and, and so forth. So, uh, you know, take a listen to that. And this week, you're going to ask me who I have on. Well, I will tell you that um, I've already taped something with Carlos Estevez, who is just a fun-loving, terrific guy that I I think people are going to really enjoy. But um, I'm also going to get, you know, the player of the week uh, for the Rockies. And so I'm not sure in what order they're going to they're going to appear but uh, Winton Bernard is uh, we're going we're gonna to probably try to tape something later today as well. So dig a little deeper into um, a guy who's captured a lot of people's hearts, uh, not only in our area, but around baseball. So your leadoff hitter is going to be Winton Bernard and your closer is going to be Carlos Estevez. Yeah. That's well, the- that's over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be, we're just not, we're just making a lineup card right now, Patrick. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure out, you know, who's going to hit first and who's going to hit second. I'm not going to use the word. I don't want to use the word sneaky here because it's not, and you know this. But Carlos Estevez is such an important guy in that clubhouse. He is a guy that, if after he becomes a free agent this offseason, if he goes elsewhere, I think the Rockies would miss him severely. Again, he's he's been pitching a lot better lately. You know, did a nice job on Tuesday night. He is huge in that clubhouse, literally and figuratively. Yeah, you see, you know this, Patrick, because you cover him every day and you're around him. And a lot of people don't know this. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to sit down with Carlos. He has a huge personality. And when people talk about, uh, you know, guys with charisma in the clubhouse and, and, uh, you know, the Rockies right now are in a place that they're not easily identifiable. Like young Troy Tulowitzki is the fiery leader and, you know, Todd Helton's the old KG, you know, veteran who's still a great hitter. Yeah, Charlie Blackman can still hit. He's had uh, a renaissance of, of sorts this year. But in that bullpen, there's a couple of guys, you know, Daniel Bard brings the wisdom of, of being in his late 30s and has a marvelous story, as we all know. But I don't think many people recognize the fact that Carlos Estevez, who's been a Rocky longer than just about anyone is a funny guy 
is a beloved guy, is a character, and uh, especially with those bullpen guys, he's he's one of the lead ponies down there. So, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons we kind of have have some fun with Carlos. And and real and by the way, again, as you know, really smart guy. He's he's great. I I always love talking with him. And after Charlie Blackman on the active roster, he's the the second longest tenured guy. Like he's mm-hmm. he's got that edge over uh, Marquez, who who came up late in sixteen. But Estevez was the closer for a while for crying out loud in, in twenty sixteen. So he's been around the block uh, consecutively here for for a while. And I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to to hearing that because yeah, he's he's funny. He's got a great personality. I think he very much have a career in broadcasting afterwards because yeah. again. He's uh he's just so bright and 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 such a, a staple of that clubhouse. So yeah, hopefully they can bring him back. They, uh yeah, we'll see. That's one of the you know when we get into the off season and and you and I and you do it every day obviously, but when we're, we're shooting the shit about okay things on the to do list for the Rockies, you know Carlos Estevez, you know they have to make a decision on him because he is an unrestricted free agent coming up. Yeah, he might be a, a seventh inning guy, but he is a complete game shut at person. I don't, I don't know if that worked. Yeah. You know, my heart was it. My heart was in that. You like that? Well, he's a guy real quick that because as you mentioned, his closing experience and I saved a couple of games this year. Yeah. He may be a seventh inning guy, maybe occasionally an eighth inning guy, but also he's not afraid and you're not going to be afraid to go, okay, Daniel Bard's down. You can hand him the baseball in the ninth inning and he's been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I'm 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 excited to hear that. Are you, are you gonna be talking to any Broncos a little bit in the in the intro there? I know it's we're getting to that time of year, so you have yeah, to maybe, I, you know, I don't, I, don't I, I may. I don't. I kind of wrote down. I'm gonna be taping my portion of that coming up here in a few minutes, and um, I may make mention of that. And it may be just simply that you know preseason football bores me. Um, <laughs> that could be my the entirety of my. Uh, my thought. It, it is exciting, though, that Russell Wilson's here and, and um, you know, game one is rapidly approaching. But I, even when I was doing talk radio, Patrick, uh, you know, trying to tell you who the ninth defensive back was going to be or who was going to be the the swing guard, uh, <laughs> just I just didn't find it intellectually stimulating. Compared. And I still don't. Oh, you've shared a couple stories about that that uh, we'll we'll save for another time. But yeah, that that's that can be a rough gig, uh, even in April at the with opening day around the corner. Uh, hey, did we did we get any other before we get out? Do we get any more information to, about uh, Tommy Henry, Ryan Feltner, Michigan versus Ohio State? Do we know if that's like the the first time that that's ever happened, where two starting pitchers are from that matchup? Um, it's pretty rare. If, if it's pretty rare. I don't know. I got to find out. I got to put Doug on that. I got to put Doug yeah. on that. Buckeyes, Wolverines, big league matchup. Yeah, that was kind of neat on on Sunday. That something was the tells little... me it had. Something tells me it had to have happened. So there's like 31 from Michigan and, and 27 who have started a game from Ohio State. I could have those numbers flipped. Who are the biggest names? Who are the biggest names on their pitchers? Did you? Uh, right in, do you remember? Dave Burba, Jim Burba. Abbott, obviously Michigan. Okay, so at some point, Burba and Abbott had to meet, right? Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, we. I, I need a, a little database. Like, there's a cool Oracle of baseball where you could type it. You go Babe Ruth, you type in, and then you type in Bud Black, and it will find a connection of teammates. Oh, really? All the way back. Oh, yeah, I'll just do it right there Six for you. degrees of separation. Buddy Black, Babe Ruth. Yes, it, it's great. So I, I got to do something like that for, like, starting pitchers and say, hey, mm-hmm. did these two guys ever face off against each other? Because that's yeah. kind of neat. Just like Tuesday night, Kyle Freeland, last time he had pitched uh, at Bush Stadium, was uh, in 2018, and who did he face? Austin Gomber. So again, that's that's a, one of those fun little wrinkles in baseball history. If you play 162 every year, 30 teams, do the math, man. That's why you got to come to the ballpark and you see something new you, you haven't seen. Exactly, exactly. Love it. I love it. Yep. Love everything you're doing on Twitter and in the Drew Goodman podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Drew Goodman 42. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at on Twitter. We'll be going live after Thursday's game. So uh, that'll be an early one. I think it's like 11 15 in. It is, uh, it is back home. You're right. Yeah, it's, a, it's an early one. So uh, we'll have an early show and, and, and we'll do it. And we'll try to try to capitalize on some of this momentum, Drew, that, that you've given us. But you know what they truly say about momentum? It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then.